Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week we have Melissa Radke joining us. She's a public speaker, author, vlogger, podcaster, and television personality. Her online videos have reached over 62 million people. She's consistent to say the least. In a little over a year, she created over 80 videos with 100,000 views or more and 10 videos that went viral with over 1 million views. But guys, it was an overnight success for her, and that's why I love this episode. While she did have viral success on YouTube this that led to a book deal and a TV show. She also talks about playing the long game and how years leading up to this were hard and painful. And I love her vulnerability and I found it tremendously encouraging. Actually, this was one of my favorite interviews of the year. So I can't wait to dive in and to share this episode with you. But before we get started, I want to remind you that if you love our conversation, screenshot it, share it on social media, specifically Instagram, and tag us in your stories or on your feed and let us know what parts of our conversation were most meaningful for you. It helps spread the word about the Radiant Podcast to your friends, and it also gives us such encouraging feedback of what you love, what you love about the Radiant Podcast. So I'm not going to hold you any longer. I can't wait to get this episode into your ears. Let's dive in. Hey, Melissa. Hi, how are you? So good. I am so glad to have you on. I was just telling you, I heard you on Jen Hatmaker's podcast was cracking up. So I am so glad to connect today. Well, thank you. I, you know what, when I did Jen Hatmaker's podcast, first of all, I was super nervous. I, I was nervous because A, it's Jen Hatmaker, but yeah. B, even podcasts themselves were somewhat new to me even then. But since I have found that I absolutely love podcasts and so talking to you today, I'm like, oh, I am such a pro at this podcast stuff. And yet I'm scared to touch any knob or dial <laughs> that is within one mile of me. Oh, <laughs> so well, you'll be a pro by the end of this. So maybe I'm not as professional as I think I am. But podcasts are nice because you do a lot of video, but podcasts, man, I, I've podcasted in my pajamas a lot. So Oh, good for you. Good for you. pretty great. Well, um, I just want you to know I put on a bra for you today. So oh, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> you know, did you see that photo of Lisa Turkhurst? who showed up for a uh, podcast interview, not realizing it was on video and was on like the news with no I bra. I did not see that. No. Go to her feed. I cracked up when I saw that. She posted a picture and she said that she went on national television, not realizing she wasn't going to be on video. And that's why everybody loves her right there. <laughs> I love there it you go. So much. I was like, that's so wonderful. But <laughs> I am so glad to have you on today. I would love for you to start by sharing your story, how you got to where you are. Tell us all the things. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, my story, be I, I suppose it took off. My story took off. I'm not going to say it began. It took off when I had a video of mine go viral uh, a couple of years ago, um, literally two and a half years ago, something like that, a little over two years ago. I made a video called Red Ribbon Week, lament, lamenting uh, every parent's nightmare of having to dress their kids up for school all all day, all week long during this kind of spirit week. And it went viral 
and my whole life changed after that. It really, truly did. But what what's interesting is that um, when you have a video go viral and people start realizing who you are, and so thousands of people started following me, and therefore advertisers started reaching out, and a production company reached out, and all of these things happened. And I've had several people say, wow, you know, all of this happened because this lady's video went viral. Well, like I said, the viral video was where my story took off. It's not where my story began. I I felt called into a ministry, I guess you could say. Um, you know, I felt at, at church camp, I had this experience and I felt called like I wanted to change the world for Christ when I was very young, about nine years old. And I worked toward that almost all of my life, trying to figure out what that was. I put myself through Bible school. I, I graduated from college with a music degree, thinking that I would sing. I, I was ready for the stage, if that meant speaking or singing. I didn't know. Um, I, I, I wrote. I love to write. And so I wrote for a local newspaper for four years, no pay at all, just whatever I could do to get my words out there. But it was when I made that viral video that all of the hard work I had put in my whole life began to pay off. So when that video hit and people started calling me, you know, scripture tells us to be ready in season and out. And I was ready. I was ready for that moment. It's a crazy way that that I got there. It's a crazy way that it happened. But such is life. And so here's where I find myself now amidst this craziness of this journey, but something that really I had been, for lack of a better word, busting my tail on for many years, you know? So so now I'm about two and a half, like I said, two and a half years into this. I signed a publishing deal, put out my first book back in July, am getting ready to, to begin work on my second one. Just finished filming a um, unscripted family sitcom on for USA Network. It is a it's been a whirlwind, but God has been in it every step of the way. Because when He called me out at nine years old, He wasn't kidding. You know, it just took a long time for this to manifest itself. Wow! I oh man, I have a thousand questions just right there. I am okay. a. I just feel like it's so fitting to have you on. I'm so glad we're getting to talk. I would love for you to share about playing the long game because it wasn't overnight success, and I, I think. That's what they say all the time, 10-year overnight success. You know, it looks like overnight success. It looks like it just started two and a half years ago, and all of a sudden, within two years, you have a TV show, double book deal. But I think people don't realize that it is the long game, and it's hard, and it's discouraging some days. So what what has your relationship been to playing the long game? And did you expect that video to change the trajectory of your life, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I certainly did not expect that video to be the catalyst for all that I had been praying and planning and preparing for. I certainly didn't expect that. And when it comes to the long game, I'm going to tell you, I, I I am not even the girl that's put in the 10 years or the 15. I'm the girl that's put in the freaking like 18, 24 years. You know, my husband and I, honestly, we've been married 24 years and we got married thinking that, oh, Melissa, well, Melissa will have a platform within a year of her marriage. I mean, what were we thinking? We were so young and ridiculous, but there is so much I feel that I have to offer being where I am today, walking the walk I've had to walk all these many years 
that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had there. And when I say that I have wisdom, trust me, it's, 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 it's one one hundredth of what it needs to be. I'm not saying I've, I've arrived, but I'm saying I, I certainly have more than I would have had in 1996 had our plans taken off. I mean, for Pete's sake, I, I just, I've learned so much. I've learned so much about myself. I've learned so much about marriage. I've learned some things about God. I, I hesitate to say so much because he's just so multifaceted and we could never, we could never, ever learn it all. But the, the, the place that I speak from now, the heart that I come from now, I mean, it's so different. You know, I, I relate to the women who are playing the long game in their careers. I relate to the women who are playing the long game in their marriages. I just relate to that now in such a different way than I think that I would have. One of the things that I say about, about Christ is that he, he is the best conductor. Every I is dotted. Every T is crossed. He misses nothing. So you need to know that when this video came out, when this video propelled and just launched and took off, it was based off of some work that I had been doing on myself. I didn't want to make this video. I wasn't eager to do it. I don't, I don't, I have never necessarily thought of myself as an attractive person. I've always been heavier and I'm, I'm as I, as I describe it, I'm a plus size woman in a missus size world. And, and so when I made the video, it wasn't in fingers crossed, knock on wood, let's hope this takes off. Not at all. In fact, if anything, it was done with a, with a lot of reluctance. Um, my husband had said that night, I got home from dinner with a girlfriend of mine and I said, I need to make a video. Carly and I were talking about Red Ribbon Week. I need to make a video about that. And David said, okay, let's do it. And I said, oh, I'm, I was kidding. I'm saying I, I need to, but I'm not going to. And he talked me into it. And he said, Melissa, this is what you were meant to do. Don't you understand? Your personality will appeal to people. No, David, you know, people like me aren't supposed to put videos on the internet. I don't look like Kim K. I don't look like any of the case. You know, I, I shouldn't. And so it's, isn't it so funny that the very thing that God used to, to change my season was the very thing that he had been working on with me during the long game, which is, which is confidence and identity and knowing who I am and knowing what's really important about me and that it isn't the fact that I wear elastic waist in my pants. I mean, so you know what I'm saying? So isn't that funny how, how he does that? And so I feel in my heart, like he, that, that, that took off. And that was a God wink. If I, That's kind of a silly thing to say, but it was a bit of a God wink saying, thank you for learning that lesson. Now we can play. <laughs> now we can have some fun as if that was the only lesson. It's certainly not. But, but in that instance, that's a long way to tell you what good can come out of the long game. Do you feel like learning every lesson along the way or every course correction, or you thought it would look like this and then it didn't, helped you steward what you've stepped into in the past two years with more integrity or better or more healthily with more fullness? I do. I absolutely do. So that's a, that's a great way to ask that question. I, I do. I, I, I feel if I go back, I'm, I'm a big journaler. I journal a lot. In fact, I've always told David, I said, Lord knows if I die first, you're going to be a bazillionaire because there is some junk written in those journals. Please don't ever sell me out. But when you look back, I was so empty and so broken in some different seasons. And God had so much time to heal me of those and teach me through those and and change those. And and um, my counselor helped me. My friends helped me. My husband helped me. And so now I speak from a place of fullness 
and and not deficit. I'm also, uh, my counselor said to me the other day, she said, hey, I have to give it to you. You're very self-aware. I, I pride myself on being self-aware. I'm also self-aware enough to say to you, there's so much mileage and much more work to be done. But my goodness, I'm coming from a much fuller place. Doesn't that matter? I mean, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. You better believe I'm sitting my butt in the chair too of just, I want to be able to carry my influence or the weight of my calling with integrity. And I, I don't want to crash and burn. So like, how do I do this for the long haul? And I, I feel like I'm in the learning lesson season and I haven't stepped into the fullness of everything yet. And so I, I love asking these questions. Well, and, and two, um, when you said carry, you know, you wanted to carry your influence with integrity, what a wise thing to say, because the truth is what was important to me all those years ago is, it's so just not important now. You know what? It's, it's really not. And so I have said many times to, to David over the course, especially of filming this show, which I know you and I will get into, but over the course of filming this show, I, I would say to him, sweet mercy. If they had discovered me when I was 31, I would be a rip-roaring, horrific <laughs> catastrophe. I mean, but I know who I am now, I, I, or at least a little bit better. Um, so I do think that I can carry more things with integrity. God help me in that. I, I ask him every day for more help. But, you know, I know that at the end of it all, at the end of a long day, success doesn't make me. My family does. My relationship with, with God does. And how I'll answer for that someday. So those are things that I think even, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been like, paycheck, paycheck, hashtag paycheck. So, you know, but I'm not that way anymore. I like to think I've grown some. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I want to hear about your book and kind of your journey getting there. Because I know that, you know, you you started with Red Ribbon Week two years ago, which until your, your interview, I had no idea. We don't, I, we didn't do Red Ribbon Week. So I, I guess it's a Texas thing. So maybe start with sharing what that is for our listeners who are not Texans, but, or maybe. And where are you located? I am in Colorado Springs, but this is not a Colorado accent. I'm a Nashville girl. So, oh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> but yeah, tell us what Red Ribbon Week is. And then obviously kind of how the last two years two and a half years have paved the way to your book. I want to hear all about your book. Red Ribbon Week is a week that the schools put on around here. Um, actually, it's it, and it's not just Texas. It's a lot of Southern states. I would say most of your Southern states for sure. But I've even had women in Ohio, in, anywhere in the Midwest that have reached out as well. And it's a drug awareness week. So our kids um, learn about drug awareness during this one week of school. And in order to make it more fun for the kids, um, which, hey, who, who can blame them? They have them dress up every day. So they send home at the beginning of the week this piece of, piece of paper for the parents. And it'll say, on Monday, wear your favorite team jersey as we kick up, you know, knock drugs out of the park. On Tuesday, wear crazy hair and crazy socks because saying saying yes to drugs is crazy. It's that kind of thing. But the fun, but the bad thing about it is that it comes just before Halloween. And as you know, Halloween costumes cost $14 million. So here you, you're dressing them up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then there's also Halloween that weekend. So to your listeners, I am a mom who is balling on a budget, okay? 
And it just caught me at a bad time. I go to dinner with my girlfriend, my best friend. We're having Mexican food. These two guys walk in to get a table and they're wearing camo, which reminds me of Thursday. Wear camo to school because drugs won't be able to find you. And I remember that I had read that on the pass out sheet that the kids had brought home only an hour or so before dinner. So I looked at my friend Carly and I said, those guys over there in that camo just reminded me I've got to leave here and go to Target and buy camo for my kids because it's Red Ribbon Week. And she said, hey, there's a video for you. And so we laughed about it. And I thought about it on the way home. And thus, there comes the Red Ribbon Week, which, by the way, funny thing, my kids' school had absolutely no problem with that video. They thought it was hilarious. But then again, they know me and they roll their eyes at everything I do. They had no problem with it, nor did the 105 million people who have seen it today. Oh, yeah. I'm sure but, it spread awareness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But let me tell you who did have a problem. The Red Ribbon Organization had a little no, problem. With no, it. they did really. It probably spread so much awareness for them with humor. Well, it's so funny because one of the leaders in Red Ribbon um, Organization called me and said, I was actually on a treadmill. I was working out in the gym. My girlfriend sat her iPad down in front of me and said, you've got to watch this video. She showed it to me. I was, she said, I was furious. And my girlfriend was like, you need to lighten up. And she said, and it took me a little while, but then I just, I laughed at it and I was like, She's kind of right, you know, and I ended up having some meetings with them. They're wonderful people. They're out to do a great job. They just want to let kids have a good time. Yeah. Who can, you know, I get that. But I think, I think a hundred million moms were like power to the people, like, yes, soldier Lord. on sister. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so that just took off and really everything changed. And then what happened was my following on social media began to grow by leaps and bounds. And with that came a lot of people saying, oh, I can't wait for your next video. Now, where normally that would put a lot of pressure on some people, I was thrilled because I am a very creative person and I live in a small town in East Texas. I didn't have a lot of outlets for that. So I would come up with these crazy ideas to make these videos. And I made one called, um, they called it Signs, and it's where I'm sitting in bed with my kids and I'm sharing my mom guilt about how one of them took a hard-boiled egg and a pickle and like some cool ranch Doritos to school one day because I forgot to buy groceries again. Um, and I'm sharing this mom guilt. Well, that went on to be played on Today.com and talked about in Us Weekly and all this kind of stuff. And it's all because, Kelsey, I was just doing what came natural to me. I just was being me. And I realized in doing so that God has really just asked us a big favor, and that is to just be us and not do what anybody else is doing because that's already covered beautifully. Just be you, Melissa. I don't need you to be Jen Hatmaker. I don't need you to speak like Beth Moore. I don't need you to write like Lisa Turkhouse. Just be you. And um, a really, really profound moment came for me. About six months after Red Ribbon came out, I was getting asked to speak at all these places. Most of them were um, civic organizations or, um, in, in other words, non-Christian environments, okay? But on this particular event, it was a large church in Texas, a very large church. And on this particular Sunday morning, right before I got up to speak, they had the worship service. And people were just worshiping and singing and praising and I remember thinking on the front row of that church, I can't do this. 
what am I going to do? So there's this like move of God in the church. And then next is, and now thank you for that beautiful worship. And now here's the red ribbon lady, Melissa. <laughs> and I just felt so, uh, just, oh, uh, insecure. And I was like, God, I can't do this. I cannot do this. This is so ridiculous. I'm ridiculous. My story's ridiculous. And he spoke to me so plainly. And I don't know if he does this with you, but he spoke to me so plainly. And he said, Melissa, it doesn't matter how you got to the party. It only matters who brought you there. And I brought you there. Why don't you just tell them that? And I did. I got up and told him, I said, guys, I showed up for the party today. Doesn't matter how I got here. Just know he brung me. <laughs> you know, that is good. And I've just been kind of on feeling that way ever since. And even when I wrote my book, going back to the book, you know, it's, there was moments that I felt so insecure and I compared my writing to every single writer that's ever lived in all of time. And I didn't think I measured up. And again, God would say, I'm just asking you to tell your story. The one I gave you, the one I walked with you through, just that one right there. Just tell that one. And I just, one day I, I just decided, okay, I'll write like me. I'll tell stories like me. We'll see if it gets us anywhere, but it has. Um, has that, how has that played out? Um, obviously you just kind of touched on it, but I think that's so important to kind of stay on for a second of, you know, a, a friend and I were literally just talking about this an hour ago of, you know, what does it look like to do something new in a space where there is a mold? How do you deal with the pressure of sometimes explaining that you do do something differently? For instance, I kind of straddle like the business and ministry space. So often I'll be at a business event and can't really explain what I do. And then I'll be at a ministry event and can't accurately explain what I do because I feel like I don't have enough time to unpack it. And I think sometimes we look at what who's ahead of us or even who's running in tandem with us and think it has to look a certain way. But what have been some maybe even practical tips with self-talk of making peace with it looking different and maybe being a pioneer for doing something different and new? Well, let me ask you, when you and your girlfriend were talking, um, so psychology here, you answer your question. I'm just, I'm, I'm curious. I, uh, what what did y'all say? What did you say about that? I think we landed on being a bridge, um, you know, sp specifically in our world. You know, I, I never really set out to be a teacher. Um, I, I really like creating and inspiring, but I, I don't, I never looked ahead and thought I want to be a Bible teacher or speaking at women's conferences, you know, on a breakdown of a passage. But then I also like, I think, you know, ministry space often, leaves a gap for women in business and women, you know, bringing their dreams to life in that space. And so you see like a John Acuff or a Michael Hyatt, but you don't see women in that space yet. And so possibly being a bridge, that was our answer we arrived at. I love that. And I love John Acuff and I love Michael Hyatt, but I'm ready to see women like you step onto that platform just as much, you know, because, because you're just as needed. I mean, but anyway, that's, that's, Thank the you. Point. but power to you. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, here we go. Um, I feel you though. I feel you so much because, um, for a while there people would say, and isn't that the first question that we go to? Like I went to, I went to a three day, like intensive a couple of weeks ago and you introduced yourself by saying, hi, I'm Melissa. And, and, and hi, I'm Lauren. And, okay. Hi, Lauren. Well, well, what is it you do? I mean, isn't that like our go-to? What's our go-to line? You know, like I want our new line. I'm going to start a trend where our new line is, well, hi, Lauren. It's so good to meet you. Now tell me who you love. Like, because that's what's the most important, you know, like who's your people, you know, tell me about your family, whatever. But I love right that. now, right now it's, what do you do? 
And I didn't know how to say that because some of the words I was using were words I had always dreamed about being. And I, I didn't, I felt embarrassed to use them. So when people would say, what do you do? I didn't want to say I'm an author because they would go, oh, uh-huh, right. I bet you did. You probably just printed that out in your copier. In your, in your bedroom, you know? um, I didn't want to say, well, I'm a social media influencer because they would say, well, I didn't, you know, you just imagine all the yeah. things that they would say. And I sure, sure as heck didn't want to use your word. I'm a pioneer. I mean, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, what I would do is that I do feel like one of my best gifts is, is humor and I would always bridge that gap with humor. I, like I would say, I'm an author and me and my mom are very proud. So I have found that I do that a lot in situations, not just in situations where I feel a little bit insecure, but in situations where um, I just know that it can soften like weirdness there. Um, I, I just kind of bring humor to it, but I don't want to be scared to say that anymore. I don't want to be scared to say what it is. I, what it is I'm doing. I got asked, um, to speak at an event and we still have not said yes to it, by the way, because I'm so torn, but they've asked me to come in and be the comedian for the event. And that would mean that I would have to say, hi, I'm Melissa and I'm a comedian. <laughs> People that, would go, really? Does that feel the like crap. so much pressure? <laughs> yeah. So I've gone straight to Netflix and I've just started watching comedian after comedian. I'm like, nope, I'm not them. Nope. Because of course we try to look at who's ahead of us and who's doing it and doing it well. And then when we don't fit that mold, we think we must not be good at that job. I'm telling you, girl, your, your question was too complex. We ain't got, we ain't got enough time. Well, I feel like you're the woman for the job because that you had a great answer. And I feel like I'm learning so much from our interview. So seriously, Thank you. I would love for you to kind of share about Eat Cake and Be Brave and just kind of what that process of writing is like. I know that it's painful. I'm writing right now. And so it's, it's, it's the most, maybe the most painful thing I've done. It was not rainbows and sunshine. Like I, like I thought, because I think it makes you face everything. And I, I tend to, I know personally, I tend to reframe everything with positivity. I'm an Enneagram seven. And I think it's the first time I've had to sit with some things outside of counseling, (laughs) but even counseling, I can reframe it of like, Oh, I'm dealing with it more fullness and freedom. And I think writing, you have to tell it before you can deal with it. And so I would kind of love to hear about your journey. Well, I, I totally agree with you in every sense of the word. I, I wanted my writing my book to be like, um, Maya Angelou said that she, you know, she talked about how she would write a book and she would go sit at a typewriter in this little cabin. And I was like, yes, and I, I will do that as well. And I will also be Maya Angelou and my words will be heard throughout the generations. And then fast forward to me sitting in the bedroom while my kids wrestle in the hall. And I'm like, if y'all don't shut up, I'm going to come out there. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's really not the world we ever envisioned in our mind. Um, But that's just externally. Let's talk about internally and what it does to you. You know, Um, it can be brave came from, a wish that I made when I turned 41. Uh, The year that I turned 41, which was several years ago, I leaned over my cake and I made a wish to be brave. Now you need to know that I had not recently read a book on bravery. I hadn't, that wasn't a a word that was just, that I had been wrestling with or anything. It just happened to me in a moment. It was just a, it was just a moment. 
And it came from the fact that when I leaned over the cake to blow out the candles, my kids started fighting over the wish. They were making kids put a lot of stock into wishes. You walk by a fountain in a mall, they immediately want to throw in a coin. We don't as adults. We don't. We think that's stupid, but they don't. They believe in it. See, they believe in things that we've long forgotten. And so they were making this big argument over my wish. One was saying, make a wish and tell us what it is. And the other one was saying, you can't tell us what it is. Moms aren't supposed to tell what their wish is. It won't come true. And in the midst of their fighting, I looked at them and I looked in their little faces and I looked at how I thought about how stinking difficult it was to have them because they came to me after 12 years of infertility. They came to me through adoption. They came to me after four miscarriages and after having a son and burying that son. And in that moment of just divine appointment, I thought, you know what? Just listen to them. Make a wish. What's it going to hurt? And, I'll, I, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. The last wish that I ever made on a birthday cake was that my boobs would stop growing. And they never, <laughs> ever, ever, ever did. So I didn't think wishes came true. And I, I made this wish to be brave. I blew out the candles and I my family was starting to sing happy birthday. I told them to just give me one second. I ran back to the back, picked up my journal, and I wrote myself a note and a, or a prayer, really. And this is what I said. I said, you have 12 months. I'm giving you 12 months between you and I, God. 12 months to do what I have been fearful to do, to to walk in my own destiny, to to step out of the boat and onto the winds and the waves, to to step out and walk where I probably should not. But I know you're calling me and you've been calling me for a while and you've been readying me for this moment. So I'm going to live like I'm ready for 12 months, not 13 months, not 11, 12 months. And if I meet back here in 12 months and nothing's changed, who cares? I like my life. It's okay, but I'm going to be obedient. And so the truth of the matter is, even though it's called eat cake, be brave, it should really call be called eat cake, be free, because that's what I did. For 12 months, I acted like there were no restraints on me. I acted like it didn't matter what people had said about my size. It didn't matter that my marriage had broken down. It didn't matter that I had buried a child in a stinking casket. I was going to live like God wanted me to live. And what he wanted was for me to live free. Because when we are chained up in the bottom of a boat, of course, we don't get out when he asks us to. But I didn't want to live like that anymore. I wanted to walk. I wanted, If he said, Melissa, step out and walk with me, I wanted to do it because I'd worked so dadgum hard for those two kids. And they were watching me, especially my daughter. And then what happens? And then what? She turns 17. She turns 27. She turns 32. And, and God is calling her to do things, but she won't do it. I had seen that pattern played out in my family. And I didn't want to be a part of it. I wanted to break that. I've been raised by wonderful, wonderful, but scared women most of my life. And I didn't want to do it. So I I said for 12 months. And that is where the book came to be. I lived that way for 12 months and my whole life changed because one of the first things that I began to do was to make videos. And Red Ribbon Week was one of the first videos that I made. And so the next year when I turned 42, the night before I turned 42, I sat down in my living room. I pointed a camera at my face, turned all the lights off, and I told that story. I told the story of what happened when I turned 41, when I leaned over the cake to blow out the candles. And I posted it on online the next day, and it went viral. And it had about 2 million, 3 million views, one of which was a literary agent in New York City. Can you believe that? Wow. She was coming through Facebook, and she came across it, and she watched it. Tell me that God does not have a divine appointment. Yeah. She watched it. And she called me and my husband and she said, as good as that video was, it'll be better on paper. 
Ooh. She's got she's got something to say. And um, the the rest is history. We met with four different companies and one that was in New York that was uh, the second largest publishing company in the in the world uh, bid on my book. And they, you know, I asked them, I said, who are some of the last female authors that you published? And they said, Chelsea Handler oh and, Caitlin, and Caitlin Jenner. Wow. And I literally thought, okay, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> that me. Um, I said, are you scared of my, of my view? Are you scared of my religion? Are you scared of my faith? And they said, this is what they said. They said, no, we're not scared of it. It, it intrigues us. We're interested by it, but it doesn't scare us. And so I, through much prayer, knew that they were the ones for me and ended up signing with them and just wrote this story, wrote the story of what led me to be so afraid, what led me to be so broken over the cake that night, and what led me to make that wish and give God 12 months of unadulterated freedom. What were those first few months like? I can imagine the fear was still there, right? Well, here's a tip for everyone listening. Don't tell your spouse because they're going to hold you <laughs> yep. to it. Yeah, so when I when I wanted when I was, you know, considering these videos, Red Ribbon is a perfect example. I came home and when he said, "Well, you should do it." I said, "No, no, I wasn't serious." And he said, "Oh, okay. I I'm sorry. I thought you had made that wish to like, you know, like live um, do the opposite of everything you've, you know, that, that you've done in the past. So I, I, I just assumed you meant that. I, clearly you didn't mean it. And I was like, do not do that. Do not <laughs> manipulate me with my words. Yeah. Don't do it. Um, but the first few months were really scary. Uh, and I think that God has a great, great sense of humor. I think that he probably, I think, I think Jesus was invited to all the best parties because I think he's a funny guy. And so I think that he was like, Oh, this will be hilarious if we do this to her. <laughs> so I immediately, I think immediately that's, you know, I, things started to rise up in me that I had wanted for a very long time and wanted to do and wanted to try. And then I just felt this, this umption of, of God saying, do it. This is our time. Remember, this is our year of yes. So, so go ahead and do it. And, it was scary and I was timid and, but I did it anyway. And that's one of the things that I say in my book, bravery, living a life of freedom and living a life of bravery. That doesn't come without fear. That doesn't come without anxiety. That doesn't come without sweaty palms and racing heartbeat. That doesn't even come without having to take your antidepressants sometimes or your, your anti-anxiety medication. That doesn't come without having to get your caffeine in or, you know, watch your carbon. Look, it's real life. And we go through it scared sometimes, but we do it anyway. We do it anyway. Those feelings are real. They are valid. But we do it anyway. You know, this big saying, faith over fear, that got to be a, a really, no, 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 whoever came up with faith over fear did not chose to say faith over fear instead of faith instead of fear. Fear is still present sometimes, but we do the hard thing anyway. And as I started to write the book, I realized, oh my gosh, I've been doing the hard thing anyway a lot of my life. And never realized it. In fact, there's a chapter in my book called Lovers and Leavers. It was the most difficult chapter that I wrote about um, lost trust in my marriage with my husband and how I stayed in a world that tells women to leave, to burn their car, to 
kick them to the curb, I stayed. Why? Was it because fear wasn't present? No, no, no. Fear was present for a very long time, but faith over fear, not faith instead of, but over fear. I did the hard thing. And the hard thing, my friend, always pays off. Ooh, you're preaching to me today. This is good. <laughs> this is this is so good. I, I am so encouraged. Um, one thing I'd like to ask, you know, I know confidence has been one of your lessons, as with, I mean, I'm sure 99% of our listeners can relate to that being one of your lessons. Do you find that you learn kind of a lesson around confidence and then you kind of graduate to a next tier of relearning it just in a, a, a setting where more is at stake? Because I think that it, it feels like, you know, we never fully arrive of not with not struggling. You know, I think we can always be like, yes, I know my identity in God, but it doesn't eliminate, you know, wrestling with hard things. And I find, you know, I conquer fear and anxiety in, in one little level. And then I kind of graduate to something where more is at stake. And I look back to what was at stake the first go around. And it's like, oh, it's nothing. I can do that in my sleep now. You know, the faith required there is is no biggie. But then the faith required at this season feels so looming and hard and a mountain ahead of me. Does it? Does that seem to just keep happening? Yeah, and it it does. I'm so sorry. And now everybody's going to, and now everyone turns the podcast off. (laughs) They're like, I'll forget this. But it it so does. But that's okay. Because um, we we need to learn the lessons in those little things because they are just going to keep growing. I want to say two things about that. And I hope I don't lose my train of thought, but in trying to remember both. But one, uh, in the Jen Hatmaker interview, I, I said something to her that I had never said before. And it wasn't until I hung up that I, I thought, hey, that was kind of good, Racky. I don't know where that came from. But but it was this. I said, in my family and in my situation, um, we have addiction has been a problem in some of our extended family before. And um, the hardest thing for an addict is the not going back because that is a, an easy place to go to. And so I know for these family members in particular, they constantly have to repeat the steps in their mind and they constantly have to do the work and they constantly have to evaluate in order to not go back. And that's how we are. That's how I am. Um, like an addict, I can always go back to the lies that I have believed about myself and that I berated my confidence for so long. I can go back to them like an alcoholic to a drink or an, a drug addict to drugs. I can go back to those lies. I can go back to those insecurities and those inferiorities and the damage. I can. I don't want to though. And so every single time that I step into a little more confidence and I learn that lesson and then when it gets harder, I get to look back and I get to go, but, but I did that. That Come on. I'm not going to go back to that. No, I'm not going to, it paid off before it paid off before. So I'll just do this one now. And I'll, and, and I think those are just tiny little wins that begin to add up so that every single time we're a little more confident years ago, there was a book that came out by Stormy Omardian. I never read the book, never even bought it for, so my apologies, but I loved the title. The title stuck out to me and I am all about titles. The title was just enough light for the step I'm on. And I heard her speak at a women's event and she spoke on this book. And so I know, I know in reference to what she was talking about and that's all I need. Just me and you, God, I just need enough light for this step right here. I'm not going to think about what I did before and I don't care about what might come next. If you can just let me cross this one right here, I just need enough light for the step I'm on. 
You and I will get through this. And then when I go to the next step, I will remember, I will remember what I've learned, what I've learned. I will take it with me, but just enough light for this one right here. And I think if if we can just do those little bite-sized pieces of our confidence, then it will continually grow. But man, is it easy to go back? Is it ever easy to go back to the lies, you know? Man, man, you're, you are speaking to me today. I, man, I, I am just excited for book number two. I'm excited for your show. Tell us about your show because I think people are going to hear this interview and be like, I want more Melissa. Give me more. Well, that's so sweet. I, I, this show, what, what in the Sam Hill am I doing? I don't know (laughs) what I am doing. This is what I know. I know that when they approached us about the show, they loved my videos. They loved the fact that I was Southern. I was a large personality, big hair. I'm everything that epitomizes Texas in every single way, which is go big or go home. Um, I'm that and more. I parent my children a l- probably a little bit differently than most. We are not um, by, a by-the-book family. I, I parent them according to what kind of mood I'm in that day. Um, uh, you know, I... I'm a talker with my kids. We talk about everything. We laugh loud. We, we get really, really angry and we forgive really, really fast in my family. So we're just a lot of fun, I think. And, um, but one of my, and so, well, let me just finish. So they approached me to do this show and, um, it's got all of my family in it. My mom and dad are in it. My aunt Melba, is that not Southern? My aunt Melba's in it. My cousins are in it. And um, it's just kind of how we live and laugh and love. And one of my favorite moments came when we actually had a meeting with the network um, before we ever started filming. And I laid out some pictures of my family on the big conference table, which I had taken in a sandwich baggie because I'm classy. Don't anyone be intimidated by me. And I laid out pictures of my family. And this is what they said. They said, we have been watching your videos and we've been learning about your family. And there's just something we can't put our finger on. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, just how y'all, you just speak so brutally honest to each other. And then you, you just get over it and you just keep going. And so we just, we can't put our finger on it, but we, we're, we're really, we, we like it. And I told my husband in the car, I said, you know what that's called, right? He said, forgiveness. I said, yeah, we forgive each other. We love each other. We believe the best in each other. We forgive each other and we just keep going. And David goes, isn't that, isn't that interesting? They couldn't quite put their finger on it. Now you and I know what that is. I believe that's a Christ-centered home. That's what I think that is. They weren't quite sure. So, so here's the deal. God and I have been in a lot of direct communication, a lot of Skype calls between God and I over this show. And he and I are very certain that it's what he wants. I don't know why he wants it, but he does want it. And I say, use me up. Use me up, God. May I stand in front of you with absolutely nothing left, right? Use me up. But on nights when I would finish filming, guys, and I was so exhausted and I would lay in bed and I would think to myself, I cannot believe you said that. I cannot believe they filmed that you you sang that. You screamed at your kids. You got mad at David. You you, uh, were something that was completely unflattering. So you looked horrific today. Um, Nobody told you that you had like three hairs growing out of your chin. So that's awesome (laughs) on HD screen. All of those things that I would go over in my head and I would obsess about and I would lie awake about till two and three in the morning. And I would say, God, are you absolutely sure? Are you absolutely sure? Because look how miserable I am. God would say, Melissa, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. And again, 
I just needed just enough light for the step I was on, right? I just needed him to remind me in that moment. And it would put all of my fears to rest. I don't know what God will do with this crazy show. It's called The Radkeys. It's going to premiere in 2019, the beginning of 2019. And it is going to be fun and funny. And I think you're really, really, either you're going to love our family or we are going to be the most obnoxious people you've ever laid eyes on. But I will tell you what, we had fun doing it. They are incredible people to work for, and I'm really proud of the product. Wow. Well, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Seriously. Thank you. For a, for a, for a woman who literally had to like be in prayer for days on end before I would even appear on my book cover in sleeveless, to now be shooting a television show is really saying something. But you talk about just showing up even when it's hard. That's what I did, um, and I hope to continue doing that for the rest of my life because I will tell you what, Kelsey, that's the most fun I've ever had. Show up scared, show up anxious, show up with your palms sweaty, but baby, that just means you're living. Oh, I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> um, before we go, what would your advice be to someone who's pursuing their dreams, whether they're in the trenches, whether it feels really like the hope is deferred, um, or, you know, no matter where they are, what would, what would your advice be to someone? Well, I would say this, you know, um, I, I, I'm, I reckon you probably have listeners who are believers and some that are not believers. And so to those who, who believe and who have a foundation in Christ, I want to say this. Um, I believe this is true for everybody. I hope everybody hears me across the board. But there is a little prayer that we can pray. It was prayed in the garden. It was the most perfect prayer that was ever prayed. And that's the Lord's Prayer. And there's a line in there that says, your will be done. And when you begin to pray that, I want you to know that you are asking him to bring about what he blesses and to bring about what is best for me. What is best for me? When I, whenever I pray, your will be done, that takes me out of the equation, takes my wants and my desires out of the equation. And I found that when I prayed that prayer, that my dreams began to align with his. And I think that's so important that your dreams align with what he has for you because he always has the best for you. And so we can say that our dream is to be the next American Idol, but we can't carry a tune in a bucket. And I'm just going to say, how much wisdom is that? Okay. <laughs> how much wisdom is that really? So then we just pray the prayer, your will be done. And then that means God says, oh, finally, finally, you're going to get in line with me. And I, honestly, that would be my advice is to pray that prayer so that you know that the dreams that you have align with the dream giver and the dream maker and the dream achiever. Because if you aren't in line with him, you're busting your butt for no apparent reason. And I guarantee you, your dream could happen, but it will not be at all as good or as sweet as it would be if it was aligned with him. So that's my advice. That kind of stinks, but it's true. No, it is so good. Okay, where can everyone find you? Um, tell us how they can connect, snag your book, check out your show, all the places they can connect. Yes, thank you so much for asking. They can find me online um, on Facebook. I'm Melissa Radke. On um, Instagram, I'm Miss Melissa Radke, MS. David's like, are you kidding me? But Melissa Radke is already taken. 
I'm on Twitter, Miss Melissa Radke again, and Miss Melissa Radke, but I don't do much on Twitter because I can't, I can't just talk in like 60 words. I know. And then uh, I can't do Snapchat. I'm too old. I can't figure it out. So you can find me on those places or MelissaRadke.com if you want me to speak at an event or something. Um, I'm there. Um, and then hopefully you'll see me on USA Network coming um, in 2019. Again, it's called The Radkeys. And uh, you can keep up with me on social media. We have a lot of fun there. But I'm just, I tell you what, I'm following hard after him and having a heck of a great time doing it. Well, I'm excited to continue keeping up. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored to do it. Thanks for remembering me. I really appreciate it. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.